Apple's podcast player is terrible, really. And we review, we think, a better one. NBC has triple vaulted into a ratings disaster. And we think the dumbest Alexa skill we've ever seen or heard of is being done with iHeart right now. I am Jackson Weaver, along with my co-host in Southern California, Mr. Keith Samuels. Keith, wave and say hi. And for Tuesday, August 3rd, this is Media Insultant. You know, one of the great things about media platforms today is that a podcast like ours, like Media Insultant, can be heard just about anywhere, Keith. You know, YouTube is our default for video, right? But they're a batch mm -hmm. of audio podcast platforms. So let's get specific. Where can Media Insultant be found? Keith, do you have your list handy? I've got the list right here, Jackson, the official list. Ready? Yeah, Apple, ready go. Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeart, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, never heard of that, but thank you for putting that on there. Deezer, of course, and Podcast Index. But you have found perhaps uh, our new favorite podcast cataloging and hosting site. Tell me about it. Well, you know, it's interesting because Apple is really about where half our audience comes from. But we've seen another app called Overcast, which is beginning to get more and more users, at least on the Media Insultant. And this is kind of an overlooked app. You can find it on any of the app platforms. But I'm telling you, I really like it a lot better. It's much better organized. I found Apple kind of drops my podcast choices if I haven't used them in the last day or two. And I have to go find them again. And it often freezes up. I don't know what that's about. But Overcast <laughs> is really a good platform. There is a little upcharge if you don't want ads. But the interesting thing, Keith, is that the ads, I think, are kind of cool because they promote other podcasts you might be interested in. Now, there are no other good podcasts for media, so we don't have any competitive issues there, no. of course. No. 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 But I would really encourage anybody to give Overcast a try for your audio podcasting. It's called Overcast. You'll find it at any app store, and we have not been compensated for this message. Okay, so let's get our show going today. And I don't want to beat up too badly, Keith, on NBC, but boy, what's going on with the Olympics? The Olympics are down 36% opening night. They're down 56% from the opening night in London back in 2012. Uh, you know, live sports, Keith, were supposed to be broadcasting's last bastion. This was the firewall. This was where all of the audience value was going to lie. What happened with the Olympics so far this year? Well, uh, let me count the ways. Uh, first of all, no, peop no, no people in the stands. There's no emotion. There's no crowd noise. There's no cheering on, you know, Caleb Dressel to, or Katie Ledecky to the, it's, you know, so basically the only emotion in us in the swim stadium are, it comes from the announcers. So, you know, Rory gained, you know, he's, he's, he's like the, the big superstar now. And uh, because he gets so emotional into it and thank God, because there's no one else around. <laughs> Maybe a few, you know, not even the parents, you got a few people, you know, faking it out up there. Um, you know, it, that, so that's really a, a difficult one. The other part is, is that with the time difference between Tokyo and the U.S., they're 13 hours ahead. It's only going to get worse in 32 when they have the Brisbane Olympics. And, you know, they're like 
15 hours ahead. It's great. It's going to be crazy making. So all of the content has to be recorded in Tokyo time for replay in prime time in New York. By the time we get to tune in at night to Mike Tirico and and friends to watch him host the the the, uh, the events, they happened yesterday, or you know they happened yesterday in Tokyo. I saw it online. I could watch the the uh, the reruns in on YouTube wherever I could find it on the, on the internet. I don't need to wait till Mike Tirico introduces it if he does, you know, on the primetime thing. So it's really uh, confusing as to when things are on, when the events are on, what events are going to show, what network they're going to... Is this going to be on USA Network? Or is this on oh, the Olympic Channel? Is this on NBC? Is this on Golf Channel? You know, it's it's it's... I don't know where the hell it is. So we just look it up online, we watch it, and uh, that was fun. Thanks a lot. Well, and there are a couple of other things that I think have been a big factor. First of all, there's been no real breakout star. I mean, the biggest star in the story has been Simone Biles, and the story about her is that she's not competing. (laughs) So how does that create any kind of audience value? However, for NBC, the good news is in Japan, the opening ceremony was the most watched TV event in a decade. So there. I, I just think NBC is going to be very busy with uh, make goods and make goods and make goods for the next six months, trying to get their the audience value back up to what they promised it was going to be in the first place. And I, I feel bad for yeah. them. And, and, and right, and because of that, you know, because the ratings are down so much, you you have to wonder what ratings they guaranteed the advertisers. And so let's hope they were pretty modest in their projections. Kind of doubt it, but they say they're going to make a profit uh, on the Olympics. You, I say. Yeah, right. You're going to be running make goods for the rest of your natural born life because these ratings are so horrible. You were off by 50%, maybe 40%, maybe at best 25%, but you still got to run a lot more. You got to find a lot of ratings to fill in what you didn't get on the Olympics. But the nice thing about all the commercials they're running, because they're getting lots of flack for for just jamming lots of spots into the coverage. I mean, it's wall-to-wall commercials. The good news about that is that several of the clients had Simone Biles in their spots. So at least you can watch Simone in some of the commercials. And, you know, and I think on the Simone story, the most watched events at the Olympics every quadrennial, whatever period it is, for the Summer Olympics are the gymnastics, okay? And women's gymnastics. That's the prime time massive numbers. And they got one night of, of, of Simone, and, and that was it. They were, usually would get probably several nights. You know, there's the individual competition, then there's the, then the, then the individual uh, apparatus competitions. You know, there would have been a lot of Simone, and there was, no, there was just one night of Simone. And bless her heart, you know, uh, you know, we're learning more and more about what went on and, you know, her getting a case of the twisties and not being able to, to you know, really get it together. Uh, okay, I understand. Absolutely. It just, yeah. cr- it just crushed NBC. Yeah. And there's no way you can make that up with that cute little girl who, who tw- at 29 years old from Las Vegas who broke her leg in trampoline, now winning a gold medal in diving. You know, that's a great story. But, but doesn't, not it doesn't, it isn't care. a backbone. You can't build it on that. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's you know. another interesting thing, and this has just been four years since we last had, well, five years, I guess, since we last had an Olympic. And the interesting thing is is that this is kind of some of the growing pains in the transition to streaming. I mean, you talked about all of the different sources of streaming. That didn't really exist too much the last time around. And NBC, to their credit, no. said, look, the audience, we got to follow the audience where they are. 
So they put him on all kinds of different platforms, and in some cases they added subscription charges and, you know, that sort of thing, which just created an enormous amount of confusion for the audience, right? And so, yeah, you know, I think... Exactly. You know, all the, the men's basketball coverage is exclusively on Peacock. Right. And you, and you have to pay a, a subscription to Peacock in order to watch it. And all of that's okay. I'm I'm not critical of that. I think the I think at the end of the day, this is a growing pain kind of a an Olympic season. They'll get better at it. I do have to say the NBC production values are just off the chart. They're just amazingly good. Although I do have to equally say this is the first Olympic that has had an ED ad run in such frequency that you know, it's just like we never could explain that to our kids if they had done that 10 years ago. But, you know, today, I guess nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit anymore. Well, talk about what you want. <laughs> well, well I, we're in that demographic, Jackson, so perhaps we do. But in any I, case, That was the, not why uh, I paid attention to it. I just was professionally <laughs> looking at it. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're in political season here in California. So, uh, so our local breaks are filled with recall Governor Newsom ads or don't recall Governor Newsom ads. And it's, it's just, oh, my God, it's relentless. And so uh, it's, it's a real chore to, to uh, when you, if you thought you could escape all of that by watching the Olympics. No, 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 no you're not, not going to You can't escape not it. Happen. So, yeah. All right. All right. Our next point that I think is equally interesting, and uh, I don't mean in, in any way for this to be an episode where we focus on what we think are really mistakes or disasters or dumb things, but this really is kind of, in our opinion, just an unbelievably dumb thing, or maybe we just don't understand it. Because here's what you can do now. This, Keith, is what you can do now. You can request a song on Alexa. And you dedicate it to a listener in a different city. Let's say, um, you know, an old girlfriend, well, an old girlfriend in Seattle. You dedicate it from a radio station in Los Angeles. I'm serious. This is exactly the skill that has been developed by iHeart on Alexa's platform. And I don't understand how you dedicate a song to someone on Alexa through a remote city on an another radio station in another city that iHeart has a station in. It just doesn't make any sense. I got to ask you, does it make any sense to you or am I the dummy in the room? Well, no, it doesn't make any sense to me either. And no, I would never accuse you of being the dummy in the room. But where, where I, why I scratch my head is, is that, you know, they're not, they're obviously not targeting you and me and our wives to dedicate songs to each other. Although it would be really pretty fun if in a future episode you could dedicate a song to me at the beginning of the show and then maybe <laughs> I can tune into uh, one of the stations. But you know, there's only a handful of iHeart stations that are participating in this. And I get what ha- guess what happens is, is when you say this to Alexa, that, that triggers some sort of an electronic transmission, uh, whether it's a message or email, I forget how, how the, it works, to the participating station on the other end. And there's somebody, a board op or a jock, who sees this up on the computer screen and says, oh, Jackson's dedicating Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head by B.J. Thomas for Keith in L.A. It's like, oh, great. And so Keith better be listening to that particular station at that particular time. And, you know, I don't understand that. If I want to hear a song... And I'm way older than the demo they're targeting. But when I want to hear a song, Jackson, I get my iPhone out. I go to my Apple Music or my Amazon Music, and I, I type in the song. I search the song and play. In fact, I probably play the whole album. So, you know, if I want to hear Love Song by Elton John, I'm, I'm going to download Tumbleweed Connection, play the whole album, and relive my life as a high school senior in 1971. 
and go, that was freaking great. I'm not, I'm not going, Alexa, I really want to hear a love song by Elton John. And would you dedicate it to Jackson in Kirkland? You know, no, why, why? And then maybe I hear it. I think the best thing I read last week about this whole Alexa skill thing with iHeart is that is Fred Jacobs, who who came out with who's a who's a consultant, programming consultant guy, who's right. been around for a long decades, right. very highly regarded. And he came out with why don't we program Alexa to respond to these song requests the same way DJs do if you can get through to them in the studio. And he had a couple of great remarks like, Yeah, we'll do our best to get it on next. <laughs> or you know what? Our consultant says we can't play that song. Or <laughs> and you had a couple of others, I think. He did. They're, they're, well, you know, my favorite is yeah, of course, it's coming right up, and you roll your eyes and hang up. And uh, any of us who've taken yeah, yeah. phone calls, and they used to come in at a radio station, you know, hundreds an hour. I mean, it just was continual. The phones were always ringing. But the question I've got today is: do, Does does this generation even know what a a request or a dedication is? Everything's on demand. A, a request, a dedication. Why would you request a, a song from a radio station when all you've got to do? And then is- hope they play it sometime in this lifetime. Yeah, exactly. You know, instead of just picking up picking up your iPhone or your iPad and just playing the damn song, which makes sense. But I've got to think uh, before we wrap up. I've got to think that this is about tracking your musical tastes. Yeah. So, so oh my God! In Dallas, we had you know nine hundred requests for this song by this artist to be dedicated. They don't care about who's dedicating it and where they want to be dedicated to. They just want to track your musical tastes because Alexa's tracking you for Amazon. You know, so iHeart wants in on that tracking music game. So maybe it's a way to do music research in certain markets to see who's who's what are they requesting because they don't have jocks to take the phone calls because they're voice tracking half the, the shifts. So the only way we can track it is through Alexa. So, hey, Alexa, track the music taste for our listeners in Dallas, please. Thank you. Well, and in my time in the record promo business, you know, one of my uh, almost tongue-in-cheek phrases with, when a record was, we were trying to break a record, we would say things like, it's getting heavy phones in Memphis. You're right. So, right. <laughs> so you know, I go, we got heavy Alexa in Dallas. You know, that's... Yeah. That's it. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, Keith, you know, we've gone through another 15 minutes. That's a wrap for our show. We're going to do it again next Thursday. This is a wrap for our first show in August. We, uh, You know, I think we're up to well into the 60s by now, including the video, and then we added the audio. So, uh, you know, congratulations, and thanks for sticking with me. And I would like to ask <laughs> it, uh, anybody in the audience that has a fellow media geek that might enjoy this, please recommend it to him. And uh, don't forget, you can find a podcast at any podcast platform and, of course, the videos here at YouTube. Keith, that's a wrap. We'll see you Thursday when our next episode of Exciting Things in Media Insultant includes a whole batch of notes about personnel changes and what's going on in the media business from that standpoint. So till Thursday, yep. have a good one, Keith. Adios. Great to see you, buddy.